Just because he graduated WVU doesn't mean he's educated. But he does know sports. It's Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh at 970 AM and now at 106.3 FM. Sean tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Crowley, for full transparency, I stream your show on my phone. Your pauses for effect drive me nuts. I never know if I've lost the stream or not. You're going to cause an accident. John, you must not listen to Stan. I used to produce Stan, and there would be times I'd be sitting by the board and eh, half paying attention because there's a million things you got to do. And that dude, that old MFR, he'll take a 10, 15 second pause and just keep going. He won't lose his train of thought. He just pauses, reads something on the internet. Hell, he's Stan. I don't pause quite like that. Relax. Randy Slack, formerly of the DV Morning Show, formerly of Steelers Nation Radio, formerly of Slacking Off on Fridays, now of something somewhere down south, joins me now on the Crowley Show. Slack, what are you doing now these days? Hey, uh, real quick, I gotta I gotta tell a story about a pause. Um, I was at one point in my life I was working two jobs while I and one of those jobs was producing the Reds Radio Network. And as you know, baseball games aren't the fastest of sports, and sometimes there are pauses. And there was one point during a game that I thought I fell asleep during the broadcast, and when I realized what was happening, there was a pause, and I wasn't sure if there was a third out of the inning, and I should have gone to commercial. Or we were between pitches because it was a spring training game. It's like it wasn't on TV, so I had no idea what was going on. It was uh, quite a frightening experience. So when you came to, did you hit the break or did you just sit there for a couple of seconds? I waited. I waited for a couple of seconds and I tried to listen for for something like an umpire or a coach or anything. And then eventually, uh, the cowboy Jeff Brantley was like, two balls, two strikes." And I was like, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> Yeah, those are scary moments, man. The career flashes before your eyes. You just think, oh, my God, I missed a break. And on a network, that actually is a big deal. Uh, with Stan, I think I would have survived. How's the job going, man? How's the morning show? People are dying to know. Oh, man, it's going great. Uh, thank you for uh, thanks for asking. By the way, it's WRMR, Modern Rock 98.7, uh, out of Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, the, show's going, the show's going great. It's uh, get a lot of freedom. So, you know, I can kind of do whatever I want. Um, former big leaguer and uh, MLB baseball analyst Sean Casey called me one day. Not, like, to come on the show. He just called me during my show to try to go on Randy Bauman's show. And it was really uh, it was really awkward. So now I have uh, I have a, a monthly guest in, in the mayor, Sean Casey. If you've never had Casey on your show, by the way, Adam. I have not because he spurns me every time I text him. I've texted him and said, I got your number from Randy Slack, and he never even replies that's uh that's a shame. Kind of a dirtbag move, to be honest. It's weird because you're the only, it sounds like you're the only person I've ever heard of him being mean to. Because Sean is the nicest human being on the face of the earth. He's like a giant puppy dog. So for him to be mean to you, you, you almost should wear that as a badge of honor because he's not mean to anyone. Should I put that in my Twitter handle or my Twitter description? Adam Crowley, host 4-7 to seven of the Crowley Show, the only guy on the planet Earth that Sean Casey's a dick to. Yeah, you can do that, yeah. Make sure you use at the mayor's office or at mayor's office, whatever his uh, official Twitter handle is. 
The word that I said there was dink. D-I-N-K. Sure. Dink. Of course. Randy Slack joining me on the Crowley Show. Slack, is the show going well, though? Is the feedback good? Are you being recognized around town? Are you uh, walking into places and having women throw themselves all over you? Well, I mean, that happened in Pittsburgh. It's not really happening here too much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I did have one guy recognize me at the uh, the open mic. I've been doing a little stand-up comedy, trying to get myself into the comedy scene here in town. And one guy did recognize me at the, at the show last week. Uh, but, yeah, the feedback's been, the feedback's been pretty well. Uh, the first week, the guy a guy called in and was mad that I wasn't the former host of the morning show. And he was mad he wanted that guy back. But that guy got fired in November. So I don't think he was really a big fan of the show if he just realized in February that the guy who got fired in November was no longer there. Do you get a lot of that? Have you had a lot of people call up and say, hey, where's the old guy? The first week I did. And then after the first week, it's been pretty much, you know, hey, you're doing a great job. It's weird because it's, it's the South and everybody's nice. So it's hard to read, am I actually doing a great job or is it just Southern hospitality? Like I haven't figured that out yet, you know. They're really passive aggressive down there, though, from what I understand. Uh, they can be. Uh, it's weird. Like they'll I've tell you to bless your heart, but they really don't mean it. They really mean that they hate you. That's true. Yeah, you will get that. What's weird is like the uh, there's a lot of transplants down here, and a lot of transplants from New Jersey, Philadelphia, New yeah. York. So there's like there's all these Southerners, and then it's like you go to a Philadelphia deli. We're like, we were going to watch the Super Bowl at a bar, and there was a Philadelphia Eagles bar down here. I had no idea. There's a, uh, there's a big contingent of people from Philadelphia, which obviously when you think of, you know, who would go well with Southern hospitality, you think, to find people of the city of Brotherhood of Love. Who do you miss the most being down there? Uh, Bryce? Uh, who? Bryce? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, Bryce and I, we, uh, we send each other Snapchat, you know, uh, private picks all the time so that's no big deal no um honestly i really miss i haven't kept up on Steelers stuff and man i'd really love to you know be more involved with that because it seems like it's a total mess with what's going on and the fan base is uh the fan base is pretty crazy well i wanted to get some hot takes from you do you still have the ability to give hot takes or have you kind of run out of juice uh, i think i could do some yeah, sure. I think I get a. I think I think you know let's, we could we could start easy, start gradual, you know, work your way up. You know, you don't start on the treadmill, you know, at a full, you know, incline and at you know ten miles an hour. You kind of ease into it. You know what I'm saying? Well, let me give you this one then. I don't know if you saw this, but if you didn't, I'll explain it to you. Uh, there's a special election coming up on the 13th here in Pennsylvania, and the attack ads back and forth have been fire, <laughs> and I'm just absolutely sick of it. But at the Republican event yesterday with Rick Saccone, both Frank Coonley, the Pirates president, went, and mm-hmm. the Pirate Parrot was stationed outside the door. Do you have a problem with the Pirate Parrot, the organization themselves, having a political-type affiliation? 100%, because, I mean, this isn't really a hot take. This is just legitimate. You know, it's I, I know that you know people like Ron Burkle and, uh, you know, are involved in politics as well you know, with, the, with the Penguins. That you know that have ownership with the Penguins and other sports organizations, the Rooneys have political ties, but they don't flaunt the team with it. It's one thing, you know, if you if you're allowed to be a business leader and be involved in politics, sure. But I don't know if you can really if you should be bringing your brand 
whether it's, you know, Jiffy Lube or Whoa. Papa John's or the Pittsburgh Pirates or whatever it is. Though I do say it's, of course, it's not too much of a surprise that they're Republican, you know, considering they're keeping all the money on the top and, you know, the trickle-down isn't really getting to the, you know, actual players on the field. So it makes sense that they're Republicans. Good joke. Randy Slack joining me Thank here you. on the Crowley Show. <laughs> what do you think of Tiger Woods? Um, I, I don't know. It's it's not a real event. Like, you know, it's no, got to be. I, it's got... So I don't, I don't so much care about whatever the hell it's called. Tom, what's the event called again? The Valspar Championship. Okay. It's an irrelevant championship, so it doesn't matter in that standpoint. But. People either love to hate Tiger Woods or love to love Tiger Woods. I think he's a dirtbag human being, but I still want to watch him golf. I don't think that makes me a bad guy because I want to watch that guy be successful. Yeah, I mean, I, whether he wins or not, it's irrelevant. If he's in it, it's fun. And, you know, there's so much nostalgia going on in our culture now, and I think the fact that he's been gone for so long and now he's actually maybe good again. You know, I think that the you know, uh, comeback of Tiger Woods is pretty exciting. I mean, we're, you know, we're cool with OJ now. So, you know, who cares about Tiger Woods? What's Orange Juice have to do with this? Well, no, I'm just saying, like, he's at parties. People are having that, you know, Buffalo Bills playoff games. It's like, ah, yeah, maybe you, you know, killed your, your ex-wife and her boyfriend. But, you know, eh, that's fine. Welcome back, Juice. Sorry you had to serve jail or get your own memorabilia back in an armed robbery case. It was kind of weird. Yeah, that strikes me just as... It, it's tacky at the very least, yes, Randy? A little bit. A little bit tacky, yes. How about Pitt firing Kevin Stallings and then refusing to pay his $9.4 million buyout and trying to develop a lot of different reasons to fire him with quote-unquote cause? That just seems petty to me. If you've got it in his contract that if you fire him, he's going to make nine point four mil. Pay him the 9.4 mil and then move the bleep on. Yeah, you, you want this to be over with. I don't think you want to have his name involved with the with the, with the team. You know, get it get it out of there because the uh, Kevin Stallings stink, which, by the way, if you see any pictures of this guy, he looks like he probably has a stink attached to him. Uh, <laughs> you want to get rid of that stink as soon as possible. Kevin Stallings he, uh, looks like he smells. Well, here's the thing. Like, I remember... When they hired him, it was the year that Villanova won the national title. And you've got Jay Wright on the other side of the state in Philadelphia, or just outside of Philadelphia in Villanova. He's dressed to the nines. He's clean cut. He looks like, you know, a movie star from the 50s or something. That guy he's bleeps. Like super cool guy, right? And then the and then Pitt hires, I don't even know, like just a, a janitor. And like, here, you coach the basketball team. He just he just looked like a slob. It it looked like a bad move, and in hindsight, it turned out to be an absolutely disaster of a move. It's Do you really, think Pitt can go to the AAC? If they did, they just lose to Cincinnati. Down. Yeah, they could. Again, again. Here's like back here, in the Big East days. Here's the deal. It's really difficult, I think, for Pitt to prove that they're firing for cause when they wait till the end of the season, as opposed to in the season when some of these things that they're alleging came up. Also, he was 0-19 in the gosh darn conference. Like, that's the reason he was fired. I don't that's think... That's not cause? That's insane. Should be cause, in fact. We were 0-19. That's cause. Why yeah, right. fire him? Because he's horrible. I love how Pitt did thought that watch, he would... Did you watch the team? 
if this gets settled in court, oh, it's going to be difficult because both parties are so awful as it relates to the court. But I'll see myself out. Darius yeah, Geis uh, you, you beat me to the joke there. Yeah. Of LSU was asked if he was gay at the NFL Combine. He was also asked if his mom's no, a whore. I, I hear you. What's that now? <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't hear anything you said other than your... So did it, did it, it cut in and out and the only thing you heard was me say your mom's a whore? We're going to have to call Slack back. Oh, my God. That's excellent. That's excellent. I wish all of you could have heard that out there the way he must have heard it. I wish that I could hear it the way that he must have heard it. Give him a call back. I need to ask him that question so that he doesn't think I'm just calling his mom a whore. That's excellent. Cutting in and out, he just hears gay. Your mom's a whore. I would never disparage my friend Randy Slack that way. In fact, I met Slack's family at his wedding. Delightful people. Tremendous people. The best people. 412-922-2874. Uh, on the topic of Pitt, Alan Saunders from Pittsburgh Sports Now going to be joining me coming up at 520. All right, we got Slack back. Randy, uh, I apologize for that. What did you think that I said? I heard there was a long pause, which is considering how this segment started, I didn't know if it was real or a cell phone. And then all of a sudden I heard you say, your mom's a whore. And then I heard another pause for a second, and then I was hung up on. So I didn't know if this was some sort of wacky radio bit or what exactly was going on with the Adam Crowley show. Okay. I didn't know if you guys are going for a more edgy tone, if you're trying to be more like, you know, the stoolies or whatnot. So... Was, no, they, uh, they took everything that they learned from us, first of all, uh, except for <laughs> the disparaging of women. We don't do that here on the program. But they yeah. do do that at the NFL Combine. So what I was going to get to was Darius Geis of LSU was asked by a team if he was gay. And he was also asked if his mom was a whore. So I wanted to ask you if you think that it's out of bounds to ask those kind of questions. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird. I don't, I don't get the point of those other than if you're trying to see... If I insult this guy, what's his reaction going to be? I don't I mean, know what, if it's really worth it. What? No, it's not worth it. And what should the reaction be? If someone asked me if my mom was a hooker, I'd say, please don't draft me. Screw you yeah. guys. Yeah, could you imagine, like, if you were working your normal job, like, you know, when you got hired at iHeart, and then the, the managers were all in there, and they're like, all right, Adam, it looks like you worked at, you You know, you went to WVU, you do all this stuff. Oh, that's great. Uh, by the way, uh, Adam, has your, uh, has your mom ever slept with two dudes at the same time? See, my boss was Greg Henson, so he actually did ask me those things in the interview. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I got hired, is I was so forthcoming with all the information. I sure. just don't. I just think the risk-reward doesn't make any sense, and I'd like for it to come to light who asked the question, because I think you need to was be Todd Haley? Well, Todd Haley's had his own issues, right? Sl speaking of <laughs> sleeping with multiple people at the same time, I've said too much. Uh, Slack, uh, last couple of things for you. Uh, what have you sure. been up to, man? I, moving into a new city has got to be great because everything you do is a new experience, right? Yeah, um, it's been fun. There's a ton of different places down here to go, whether it's bars or restaurants. And then, like, there's four different beaches, which is like, oh, wait, there's the beach here. So, you know, there's a lot. that's a lot of fun that way. It's also a lot of fun because, like, it's it was 50 today, and I was complaining as I got to my car, and it was, like, 40 degrees, and the wind was blowing. I thought it was chilly. Like, I forget that it's actually wintertime until, like, I see you or Whip on the X or somebody, you know, talking about the snow or showing pictures of the snow. It's like, oh, yeah, it's still wintertime for people up north. That's a shame. 
There are a lot of Pittsburgh people down here. A lot of Steelers fans. I would imagine you said there was an Eagles bar. There's got to be a Steelers bar. There, there is. Uh, but yeah, it's it's weird. Like how much New Jersey and Philadelphia influence. There's a. Um, you can get the pork roll if anybody's from the Philadelphia area or South Jersey. I saw your wife it. on Facebook was posting about the pork roll. She loves pork, that pork roll. The pork roll. The pork roll is amazing. Is that I'm a question the, that would be asked at the NFL Combine? Does your wife like the pork roll? That's true. Um, but yeah, yeah, my wife. My wife is a big fan, uh, as am I. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird that the East Coast influences down here, and then just it's it's the South. It's awesome. There's fried that, chicken and sweet tea everywhere. Last question for you, Slack. Uh, what yeah. do you wear to the beach? Uh, where do I wear to the beach? Uh, as little as possible. Sunscreen. Goodbye. Thanks, buddy. Love you. Love you, too. Miss you. Randy Slack, formerly of the DVE Morning Show. Check out his show. I've actually listened a couple of times on a different app that is not iHeartRadio that I can't talk about on the air. Coming up next, Alan Saunders from PittsburghSportsNow.com. He's all over the pit stuff. I've got so many questions. When did it all start to go wrong? Why is Pitt behaving in the way that they're behaving? Who's the next in line for a possible hiring situation? So much to talk about with Alan Saunders. It's the Crowley Show. Pitt basketball stinks. They fired their coach. They haven't won a conference game in 384 days. It's bad right now for Pitt basketball. Alan Saunders covers a lot of different things, but he's real good as it relates to Pitt for PittsburghSportsNow.com. He joins me on the show. Alan, hey, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Yeah, no problem. I'm sure that like seven or eight stories will happen while I'm on the phone with you because that's how coaching searches always seem to go. They do, and this one seems like it's just information trickling out at all hours. Before we get into the coaching search itself, I want to talk about what happened with Pitt basketball. Uh, I loved Jamie Dixon. Uh, I thought he was a very good man, and he was certainly a good basketball coach. That does not mean that things weren't slipping at the end of his term at the University of Pittsburgh. So how did all this wind up going down uh, how did it happen with Jamie, and then how did Kevin Stallings wind up here in Pittsburgh, and why are we now where we are? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, I, I think... Putting you in the way-back uh, machine now, Alan. Yeah, I mean, that's... You know, how, how much time do you have? Uh, I think most of it started um, with the move to the ACC. Uh, I don't think that Jamie Dixon was particularly... Uh, enthused by that move. I think that he felt that his coaching style wasn't necessarily going to play in a different league. Uh, the recruiting ties that he had weren't going to play as well in a different league. Um, and then uh, the change from uh, Peterson to Scott Barnes as Pitt's athletic director. Uh, Barnes was a much more hands-on guy, wanted to be more involved with the basketball program, wanted to push things like playing West Virginia and playing Penn State. And Jamie seemed to chafe a bit at that you know, additional amount of oversight. And, um, you know, uh, the, I, the recruiting had certainly fallen off significantly um, to a point where uh, something was going to happen one way or another eventually, and the job at TCU opened up and he took that opportunity. Um, it's interesting because I think at that point there was significant sentiment amongst the Pitt fan base that 
Look, Jamie Dixon was a great coach. He's by far the best coach in pit history, but um, he'd been there for, I don't know, what, 12 years at that time, I think, in Pittsburgh in total. And uh, that's a long time for anybody in one place. Maybe it was just time. Maybe it was time to move on. Maybe it's time to get some fresh blood, a uh, new perspective, maybe something that will fit the new conference a little bit better. And then uh, Scott Barnes hired Kevin Stallings, who was not young, not fresh blood, and not seemingly a particularly good fit for the ACC. Um, and I think the fans rioted from day one, um, somewhat rightfully. I, I put a poll on Twitter the day he was hired, which was Easter Sunday two years ago, and I, I think 78% of Pitt fans were against the hire, and almost all the rest were undecided. There was only like 4% <laughs> that thought, oh, this is a great idea. Um, and... When you come into a job and everybody wants you gone from day one, I just think that it's impossible to succeed then. Even if it wasn't a very good hire, hey, not very good hires can work out sometimes, but the combination of, of things then just made Kevin Stalling's situation untenable from day one, and uh, well, and now it's gone. Alan, I asked you a simple question. I don't know why you had to talk so long there. Jeez. Uh, Alan Saunders joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Alan, was the bigger issue and you went into it a little bit there the move to allow jamie to kind of just walk and not do much about it or was the hire of kevin stallings the bigger problem oh i mean i, I think in hindsight that the move to let jamie walk sounds and looks really bad but i don't know if a guy comes to you and says i don't want to be here anymore um I, see i i guess and not being involved in those negotiations, it's hard to say. If if Pitt says, no, we're enforcing your entire buyout, does TCU say, well, we can't afford it, so we're going somewhere else? Uh, or do they just pay it? I, I don't know what happens there. Um, so I guess it's really hard to say, but it's not a good look in hindsight. Uh, and then I, I just think it's a combination. When you let the coach go and you don't get a buyout from letting the previous coach go, then you're kind of you're starting behind the eight ball when it comes to paying for the next coach because – I mean, that's how this scam works, right? You know, one coach's buyout pays for the next coach's buyout. Right. So, you know, TCU pays Pitt for Jamie Dixon so that Pitt has money to pay wherever they need to raid their next coach from. That's how all this works. And so by not sort of participating in that, I think Pitt really limited the search pool the first time when they hired Kevin Stallings. And I think that's how you end up with a candidate that nobody's happy with. Um I know there were other candidates that were interested in the job at the time. I know at least some of those candidates' money was the factor. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, that that part of it played into it. And then, I mean, I think the cronyism stuff gets played up a lot. I don't think that at that point, with what Pitt's paying and what kind of pit job Pitt had, I don't know if Pitt was going to do a lot better than Kevin Stallings, but I just think a bad fit in general for what the fans were eager. You have that segment of the fan base that, that was like, Okay, yeah, it could be time to, to to move on from Jamie Dixon, but you had to capitalize on the things that they were looking for in order to get them to buy it. What's Pitt's angle in trying to lower the buyout for Stallings? Obviously, I know they don't want to pay the full buyout, but what are they trying to stick to him to fire him for quote unquote cause? I, I don't know. I, I guess the the theory is that uh, his uh, comments to the crowd in Louisville. Uh, in January when he uh, said at least we didn't pay our players $100,000 as the team was getting heckled uh, while they were losing by 20 points. Uh, I, I can't possibly imagine that that is grounds 
or firing a uh, basketball coach for cause. It sounds like a fairly thinly veiled negotiating ploy on Pitt's behalf by me. Um, to me, the whole thing kind of stinks. Uh, if you have a coach uh, with a buyout, the coach negotiates that buyout to protect get specifically against getting runoff after two years. And coaches right. do not get fired after two years at a major conference level very often. It's extremely rare. And the reason it's rare is because these guys want a guarantee of job security when they sign their name on the line. That's important to them. And I think, you know, running a coach off after two years is, is unusual. But I don't think that in itself would be cause for other coaches to take pause when considering Pitt as a job. But when you run the guy off after two years and then you're going to fight him tooth and nail and try to and try to negotiate down his buyout after you do it, I think it's a really bad look. It's a bad look you know, publicly. It's an even worse look in the coaching uh, community. And, and as we saw throughout the season, he, Kevin Stallings is a really well-respected guy within that community. I mean, a lot of people came into that pit media room and said good things about Kevin Stallings, and a lot of it was unprompted. Uh, I think it's pretty genuine that he's a well-respected guy in that in that community. So to, to do that to him, I, I don't know. To me, I, I think it's uh, maybe maybe you really need the, the four and a half million dollars or whatever, but it, it seems short-sighted. Do you think that that affects the next coach's desire to come here? And how does this buyout affect Pitt's ability to pay the next coach who's going to come through the door? Right. I mean, that's that's it. Because, like I said, when you, by not taking Jamie Dixon's money, they set themselves back two years ago. Now, not only are they not getting money, they're paying money out uh, to Kevin Sullivan to not coach, and then they've got to find the money to to pay another coach on top of that. And that was one of the reasons I argued that I didn't think that they should move on from Kevin Sullivan this year, because it's just the finances make it very, very difficult. They're, they're going to have to really hit a, a very fine target when it comes to finding a coach that has the talent level to coach in the ACC, that has all those things like enthusiasm and then will play to the fans like we talked about, and that right. they're going to be able to afford. And if they don't get that, then they set themselves up to be in exactly the same situation that Kevin Stallings was, where either you have a coach that's underqualified or you have a coach that's unloved, and, and the fan base negativity piling on top of that makes it an unwinnable situation again. What are some realistic names you've heard connected with the program? Um, I haven't heard anything out of the pit side of things that say these are guys we're interested in. Um, but, I mean, I think there's some some pretty coherent names out there. And Fad Matta, former uh, Ohio State head coach, obviously there's some kind of relationship there with Heather White from when she worked at Ohio State. Uh, he's been unemployed for the last year, so if they're looking to make a hire quickly, uh, you know, he's available to talk right now. They could hire him today if they wanted to, uh, and has an impeccable record. The question mark with him is health concerns. Uh, he has a back issue that severely limited him and is one of the reasons that Ohio State was looking to move on, and it's not even uh, certainly known that he's looking to get back into coaching. Um, outside of that, you know, I ran down t- ten names yesterday, which I think was like 12 stories ago now. Uh, but, uh, I bet I bet you that got a lot of clicks, though. That was probably the one that got the most people interested, no? Yeah, I mean, that was a good one. Um, but people also love the drama, too. Uh, but That's true. But Hurley at Rhode Island is of the guys that have a another coaching job right now. By far and away, he's the best candidate. He's the best um, non-power conference coach 
in the country when it comes to guys that are looking to move up a level right now. Uh, I think the issue with him is that everybody's going to want him. Everybody that's going to have an open job is going to want Dan Hurley, and there might be some big ones. Um, UConn might be open. Louisville might be open. Xavier might be open. Um, and, and there could be more, depending on what happens with this FBI scandal. So I certainly... He's the total opposite of Thad Matta, and I don't. I certainly don't see Dan Hurley wanting to move quickly. Plus, the Rams are, uh, you know, in the, in the A10 uh, tournament, and they're going to go to the NCAA tournament. He's be playing basketball for a little while too. Uh, so, I mean, if it's Dan Hurley, I don't think he's going to resolve quickly. And to me, I think that's that's kind of a a tough sell for Pitt because if you, if you put your eggs in that basket and then you don't get him, and then it's three weeks from now, uh, it could be a, a really scary situation. Outside of that, you're looking at. Tom Crean, former Indiana coach, current ESPN analyst. Ron Sanchez is the top assistant at the uh, number one ranked team in the country in Virginia. Um, Chris Gent, an assistant coach with the Atlanta Hawks. Earl Granite, College of Charleston. John Becker at Vermont. John Brandon, Northern Kentucky. Mark Schmidt at St. Bonaventure. There's probably another uh, five to ten of those uh, type guys. It, it's not a field where there's a ton of of really high-level guys. It seems like there's one or two options that have kind of separated themselves from the, from the pack as far as desirability. Then there's just a, a whole bunch of other options out there uh, that, that all seem to be about the same. You think that the best-case scenario for Pitts to go for a young guy? You know, I think in general the best-case scenario for Pitts would be to go for a young guy if I was trying to craft a, an ideal head coaching candidate for Pitt right now. But I don't see a young, an actual young guy that... Is, is kind of where they're going to want to be as far as money, as far as the timing of the move. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how old Ron Sanchez is. He's not that old. Um, he's never been a head coach before. He's certainly a, um, he, he's a passionate guy. So I, I think he has some energy, whether he's actually young or not. And sometimes that actually matters more. Like it doesn't matter if, if he's 35, if, you know, what people say when they want youth is what they really want is energy. I mean, you look at a coach like Pat Narduzzi, who's in his 50s, but a very energetic, enthusiastic guy. I think that's more what people are looking for when they say actually young. So I, I think Ron Sanchez would, would fit that. But I don't see a lot of those kind of candidates. And when I look at the candidates, I, I mean, a guy like Dan Hurley is going to be in huge demand. I think Thad Mata is like the, the, the safest bet for Pitt in that they could make a quick hire because – Currently unemployed. There's an established relationship with Heather Lake. He's not from that far away. Um, if he's healthy and he wants the job, I mean, he was just at Ole Miss uh, interviewing there. Um, he's not going to take that job. So I think that to me is is the is the safe bet. And if it, if it goes on from there, it could work out better, but it also could work out a lot worse. Do you still think this is a good job, Alan? Ooh, I mean, I think it's a job that comes with some pretty significant uh, uphill struggles. It's still a good job because it's a good job in the, in the fact that if you come to Pitt and you win at Pitt, that will have meant that you've won in the ACC, you've won a place where sports are king, people will love you, um, they'll fill that building again, and it's crazy when it's full. It's one of the best places in college basketball when it's full. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's still a lot of attractive options at Pitt. But I think there's very serious concern about how long it's going to take to get Pitt back there and how much patience the fan base and the administration is going to have for that process. And so if I was a head coach, I, I would be wary of a job like Pitt. It does have a ton of potential. I mean, especially compared to, like, 
for example, an Ole Miss, where, I mean, it's the SEC, it's not a basketball conference, it's not a, it's not in a major city with a media market where you can become sort of the, the, the face of what's happening there. I just think that, uh, that Pitt has a lot to offer, but it's in a really bad place right now. And so if they don't have, if they have financial constraints, and they're not able to promise a coach a lot of money in order to sort of accept those risks. I'm not sure what else they have to kind of get them over that hump. Last couple of things for Alan Saunders here on the Crowley Show. When you were talking about Thad Mata, it made me think, even if he is a little older and does have some health concerns, would it be the worst thing in the world for a coach to come in like him, fix the program, turn him around to respectability, get him to seven to eight, wins in the conference and then even if he gets out then pits at least in a situation where they're respectable again and then the next coach who comes in would be able to bounce off of a far more successful program yeah i think that was kind of the idea with kevin stallings that mm. was that i don't think anybody when they hired kevin stallings i mean scott Lawrence talked in his first press conference about the final four but i think the realistic goal was hey this is someone that can come in stabilize the program uh, may, may get us get us through what is going to be a rough rebuild here when we you know they had those four seniors that were all graduating. You know, get us through this rough patch, stabilize things, and then maybe move on. So yeah, I think that kind of rule of thumb that would be perfect. In fact, um, you know, one of the other guys we, we mentioned right there uh, in in uh, Chris Jennings is that he, he's a, he came up with that matter as an assistant at Ohio State. So maybe they could even bring on. You know, some some younger guy that's sort of from day one a, a head coach in waiting type, even if it's not you know, officially established, that could be groomed to take over eventually. Yeah, I think a situation like that, people would certainly get on board for. Alan, really appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, you've been covering this stuff real well. We've been following along, and we appreciate you hopping on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'll get back to uh, writing nonstop and scrolling through Twitter. Yeah, you are behind like five stories now, dude. Get out there. Alan Saunders, PittsburghSportsNow.com, the Associated Press, Pirates Prospects. He's on top of everything. Check him out. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. I'll tell you why I think this is just the worst look for Pitt. And the Pirate Parrot should be apolitical. It's the Crowley Show. Going to hear from white guy Troy Apke coming up in 16 minutes here on the Crowley Show. He from Mount Lebanon and Penn State ran a 4-3-5-40 at the NFL Combine. That'll kick things off for the Bud Light Happy Hour Puck Talk with Josh Yoey just after that. And then, of course, the hottest take of the day and other crap. Mike Mitchell reportedly going to be released by the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up next week. And my buddy tweeted out that the tweets that have come from Mike Mitchell since we've found out that he is going to get cut are just sophomore is all get out. And I think he's spot on. This is the guy that I drank a bunch of natural lights with last night as we watched West Virginia basketball defeat Baylor. We're going to do the same thing tonight. People have mentioned on the cheese tees, why am I wearing the same exact outfit as yesterday? Well, I feel like it's obvious. I want West Virginia basketball to win and... I believe strongly in my abilities to affect 
their ability to do just that. But Mike Mitchell's tweets are sophomoric. He tweeted out, it is what it is. And then he said, one tweet got my phone buzzing like the pizza man. I LOL. And then he said, and now my phone is really buzzing, and it ain't the pizza man. Super excited for 2018. God is the greatest. Hashtag 50R50. Mike Mitchell deserves a lot of credit for playing hurt throughout his Steelers career. He's tough as nails. He battles his ass off. Good for him. I always found him to be a fine dude, too. Uh, you catch him on the right day, he'd be real nice. You catch him on the other days, he wouldn't be great. I don't think he loved the media. And I get it. And especially at the end of his Steelers career, he felt like he had been let down by the media. You can out there decide whether or not you agree with that or whether or not that's the case. But as it relates to Mike Mitchell and the injury history, I think it would have benefited him in the long run if he would take some plays off or take a game or two off. Because when you're out there consistently performing in the National Football League and you're not at the top of your game, if you're not 100% healthy, you're just not going to be effective. And I think that this year you saw he didn't have the center field type ability that he's had in the past. He didn't have the explosiveness. He just didn't seem ever like he was healthy. And that's because he wasn't, but that really wound up costing the team. So sometimes you can be so tough that it's actually a detriment, and I think that's the category that Mike Mitchell falls in. I give him credit for being tough, but at the same time, sometimes you got to be smarter. And if he had let himself heal up, if they had been able to patch him together, then he probably would have played better football and in turn the Steelers themselves wouldn't have cut him, and the fan base would probably look at Mike Mitchell in a much better light. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. The other portion of this is that J.J. Wilcox has been told, according to Jeremy Fowler, by the Steelers, that he will not be a guy that they're not considering bringing back. Yeah, that's right. I misspoke at first, Joe, and I tried to correct it with the double negative. He'll be coming back if he wants to come back. The Steelers are interested in him coming back, and according to Jeremy Fowler, they're wanting him to not not be the starter, which means they want him to be the starter. I don't believe that's the case. Uh, I think Jeremy either got confused. Just kidding, Jeremy. I don't not love you. Or they're telling him that so that he will come back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But J.J. Wilcox is a guy who's a box safety I'd like to see them use him in the dime more often. I thought that's what they were going to use him for this year, and I thought they were going to use him in that role as the season wore on when the linebacking core was dinged up with Ryan Shazier going out, obviously with a horrific injury, and with Tyler Matikiewicz going out with the ailments that were bothering him. But it didn't happen, and he actually played less as the season moved on. So that's obviously not the answer. Robert Golden's not the answer, albeit he's a great special teams player, not a guy that you want starting for you. They're not set at all at safety. And at least with Mitchell, you had a body, a guy who's done it before, and a guy who's, when healthy, can actually play the game all right. Well, now they don't have him, at least reportedly. They're not going to have him. But it's not all that hard to fix a couple of holes. The Steelers and Alex Kazor for Steelers Depot actually wrote a good piece about this today on that website, can actually afford to pay Le'Veon Bell $14.5 million for the franchise tag and go out and get a lower to mid-tier free agent like a Mike Mitchell. A guy who can come in, 
who can pay five, six million dollars a season and be a starter at the inside linebacker position or safety. Now, I think the Steelers are far more interested in getting an inside linebacker. If that's the case, you pay for one, and then the Steelers have gotten starters in the first round, in the second round, in the last three drafts. So the Steelers can plug up their holes if they make one free agent signing and they draft as well as they've been drafting recently. Now, you have to hit on the prospect. You have to hit on the player that you bring in via free agency, but they're going to be okay. And Mike Mitchell, thanks, man, but your time is done. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Rick Patino says he wants to coach again. This just in. Okay. Guess he could come here to Pittsburgh. Got cheerleaders. And I don't mean the ones who stand on the court during the game. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Pittsburgh Sports Now just tweeted me. Much thanks to Adam Crowley of ESPN Radio for having Alan Saunders on. Stock Pittman's basketball coaching search. We appreciate it, Adam. Yeah, I'm tremendous at my job. Michael tweets, can you get Gary Parrish to give his thoughts? the hell out of here with that nonsense. Yeah, get the hell out of here with that nonsense. Pitt using this Louisville incident as firing for cause workaround is just such bull bleep. It's such a workaround. It's such a jackass move. It makes me angry. I'm not a pit guy. You know that. But if I was a pit guy, it would disgust me. I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to save some money so they can bring in a coaching hire that's going to win a damn conference game next year. Because they haven't won one in 384 games. Days, rather. But it just strikes me as petty. And everything you hear about Stallings, yeah, he might have done an horrent job here at the University of Pittsburgh of winning basketball games and filling up the arena and all that nonsense. But he's supposedly a good guy. And any time that I've had interaction with him, I liked him. He was friendly. Enjoyable to be around. He was always a good radio guest. I guess that doesn't mean all that much, but you can't screw over a dude to recoup your money when you're really grasping at straws. Because then not only are you taking money out of his and his family's pocket, but you're also painting him in a bad light. And just because Kevin Stallings snapped off, probably poor phrasing there, just because Kevin Stallings snapped at a Louisville Cardinal fan doesn't mean that he's a bad dude. And Pitt making it out to be a bigger issue than it actually was, it ain't right. And I was kind of predisposed to like Heather Like because, A, I like the fact that she was given an opportunity at a high level. B, uh, she's had success where she's been. And C, she's not Scott Barnes. But the fact that she's doing this and spearheading it, to me, eh, it's a bad look. We'll see how she hires. As Richie Walsh said yesterday in our hottest media take of the day, she can't screw this one up. Mm. Nuanced stuff there from Richie. Really, really makes me think. Coming up next on the show, we got the Bud Light Happy Hour. Troy Apke from Mount Lebanon and Penn State will hop on. 
Then we'll talk to Josh Yowie about who the Penguins' potential playoff matchup could be in the first round and a lot more as it relates to the Pittsburgh Penguins. All that's on the way coming up, plus hottest take of the day and other crap. You're listening to The Crowley Show.